In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So would you please do me a favor? Can you go to podsurvey.com slash Jamie? That's J-A-M-I-E, podsurvey.com slash Jamie, and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. You guys, you can buy a lot of great things on Amazon for $100. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's pod, P-O-D, survey.com slash Jamie, J-A-M-I-E. Guys, thanks for your help. Go to podsurvey.com slash Jamie. friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so excited that you're here with us today on this Wednesday, the first Wednesday of May. Welcome to May. Each week, I invite a girlfriend to join me on the show, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Guys, have you heard about Halo Top Creamery? You probably have heard me talk about it. They make low-calorie ice cream that actually tastes good. I promise I've had it. Plus, it's made with all-natural premium ingredients, so each pint is only around 300 calories, which means you can eat the whole pint completely guilt-free. Go ahead. I'm giving you permission. Guys, head to halotop.com to use their store locator and find a pint near you. Also, while you're there, go ahead and follow them on social media. That's fun, at Halo Top Creamery. Friends, you're listening to episode number 139, and my guest is Megan Teets. Megan is the creator and co-host of the podcast Sorta Awesome, which I love that show over there. Sorta Awesome is a weekly podcast that's geared toward women who want to stay current on all things awesome, including culture, media, trending conversations, and general girlfriend chat. The girls over there, there's multiple co-hosts plus Megan. They're friendly and warm and engaging, and I highly encourage you to go check out their podcast. Today on the show today, uh, Megan and I talk about personality types. It's funny because I took the personality type test a long time ago, and then I told Megan what it was, and I could never remember, but she would always remind me what I was. And she tells me I'm an ESFJ. You guys are going to know what that means during our conversation. I call her a self-made professor of all things uh, personality types. We also talk about what podcast we're loving, which you're going to be able to tell how long ago we recorded this one with the show that I had just listened to like two episodes of when we recorded this. And now I finished the whole thing and I'd love to hear your thoughts on that show. You'll know what I'm talking about when you hear it. Megan also brought a lot of her own personal experience towards what we see on TV with a refugee crisis. Megan has walked where these refugees are living. She's walked the places that they want to be. And she gave me a lot of insight and a lot of just great personal experience that you may not get just from watching TV. You guys, I loved my chat with Megan. And after our talk, you're going to want to go find her podcast if you've never heard it before. Guys, next week is our three-year anniversary for the show. Can you believe it? We have a really fun show planned for you. But if you want to send us a message about anything from the show, we'd love to hear from you. I'm at Jamie underscore Ivy over on Twitter. And Megan on Twitter is at Sorta Awesome Meg. But guys, while you're sending me a message on Twitter, I also want to tell you my favorite place on social media to hang out is Instagram. So you can find me there. It's just at Jamie Ivy. All right, guys. Here is my conversation with Megan. Hey, Megan. Thanks for coming on the happy hour. Hi, Jamie Ivy. It is so good to be here. I'm so excited. 
Well, this is fun because you are a fellow podcaster, which I've had, you know, a handful of fellow podcasters on. And it's always fun to talk to someone uh, on the flip side. And so you get to sit in the guest chair today. You are not in charge, Megan. I'm so relaxed. I don't even know what to do with myself. <laughs> you just get to answer my questions and That's talk right. with a friend. That's nice, isn't it? It's so wonderful. Yes. Um. So, how, so let's talk about podcasting first. Yeah. Uh, well, first, we should just, I've, I've already told people, but you live in Oklahoma. I do. Yes. Have you always lived in Oklahoma? Well, I live in Oklahoma City now. We've lived here for five years. I grew up all around the state. So okay. saying I'm from Oklahoma is very accurate. Yes. That's very true. Yes. So you're in Oklahoma City yes. raising four humans with your four husband, Kyle. Four humans underfoot. That's right. Yes. That's my life too. Four kids. And your oldest, I think we have, like yours are a little bit more spread out, but you're entering into teenage Bill, do you have a 13-year-old yet or almost? Well, I have a 12-year-old, a sixth grader. So okay. we are we are on the cusp. And then I have a nine-year-old. And then we have twin boys who are four. So yeah, they're they're a little spread out. They're a little spread out, which is fun. Yeah. Um, so you have a podcast and mm-hmm. you actually produce a podcast. That's which right. I want to tell everyone about your show. So tell us about your podcast and how long you started it and all the things about it. Sort okay. of awesome. Okay, so for Sorta Awesome, we launched in April of 2015. I had been a blogger for many years, actually, from 2006 to 2014. I was blogging and doing lots of writing online and just kind of got burned out on all of that. That's a lot of writing over that many yes. years, you know? <laughs> a lot of words, a lot of typing. A lot of words. I had a book come out during that time, too. And honestly, I looked to writing a book as like sort of the end of my blogging career. I was like, I have no words left for anybody. That's exactly right. Yes, <laughs> I am done. Basically, yes. So during that time, though, that I was blogging, I wrote for our mutual friend, Tish Oxenreiter at her site and also got to go on her podcast a couple of times. And every single time I would get off of a podcast call with her, I would just be like vibrating with happiness. I loved it so much. And so when the time came to close down my blog, sort of crunchy, I was like, I'm just going to try this podcasting thing. What's the worst that could happen? So, um, So I asked three of my dear friends. Kelly Gordon, Laura Tremaine, and Rebecca Hoffer, if they would join me in this crazy endeavor. And they all said yes. And the rest has kind of been history. So we've been doing this for over two years now. That is so awesome. Do you love podcasting more than blogging? Oh, absolutely. It's much more, it's much more a fit for me. I loved, I loved writing and I loved blogging, but I found, I don't know if you found this to be true, but I found that I often was like writing lots of words about really serious topics. And I feel like it conveyed that I'm a really serious person, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but in real life, I'm really not that serious. And so I feel like the podcast lets me kind of do a little bit of everything. Sometimes we talk about really serious topics on the show and sometimes we're completely silly. So it really feeds my need to keep things interesting for sure. And you've built a really great community around your show as well. That's one of the things that I think I noticed about you um, when we first were introduced and met and we're in a podcast mastermind is I noticed the community that you built that is, is one of the first times I saw a community built around a podcast, really. Right, right. So, so the show's called Sort of Awesome. And so before we knew it, our community had grown and evolved. And so now they are collectively known as the awesomes. <laughs> and we have a little Facebook group and I truly am inspired by what happens in there every day in this day and age where online communication can be a little dicey. 
just to, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to use that word. Um, the community of awesomes that we have who listen to the show are genuinely so warm and thoughtful and helpful. I mean, everything from people asking for travel recommendations to questions about kids' clothing to like actually really serious stuff about marriage and health and wellness. We cover all of it. And genuinely, the people who are a part of that community are so intentionally thoughtful and helpful. It is really inspiring. Well, that's you've, it's because you've done such a good work with that of making people feel really, really valued and a part of something. So I love how you've done that and Thank doing you for great that. stuff with your show. And now you're actually behind the scenes of another show. Yes, that's right. So um, as we got into Sorta Awesome, one of my co-hosts, Laura Tremaine, who also happens to be one of my longest, uh, oldest, dearest friends. We've had a long friendship that dates back to high school. Um, once we got started doing Sort of Awesome, she kind of got the podcasting bug too. And so she came up with the, an idea for a show of her own. It's called Smartest Person in the Room. And she asked if I would help her to produce that. So on Smartest Person in the Room, I've gotten to do all of the behind the scenes stuff that I didn't even know I loved until we started doing Sort of Awesome with editing and shaping the conversations and the episodes, how they come out. So that has been an absolute blast because she hands me these interviews and then I get to go to work putting them together to um, bring out the best in them. And that has been such a surprise. I love it so much. Do you love it more than being the actual person doing the voice of the podcast? Mm, that's a tough one. I love what we do on Sort of Awesome because it's very chit-chatty. Mm-hmm. What, what, what Laura does on um, The Smartest Person in the Room is much more like interview driven. And she, she asks really good and hard questions that I would never ask someone. (laughs) Well, she asked the questions that we're thinking. And I think I even texted you that one time when I was listening to one of the shows and I was like, man, she's asking the hard questions that we're all wondering. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And she's not afraid. And again, having known Laura for years, that's genuinely how she is in real life. And it conveys so well into this interview format. So for smartest person in the room, I am totally happy to be the person behind the scenes just doing, you know, the fix up work to get the episodes ready, because I would never ask the questions that she does. (laughs) But she gets such great answers out of people that I'm just happy to sit back and watch her work. She does. And you get to ha- you get to come on the show at the very end of each. Y'all do them by series. Mm-hmm. And so tell everyone what series you've had so far. Okay. So the first series we started with looking at Hollywood. Laura lives in LA and her husband is in the entertainment industry. So we, that's been our longest series to date. And we just kind of looked at all different jobs and roles that are involved in the entertainment industry. So we did that one. The next one we did took a much more serious turn. We did a series mm-hmm. on religion. Which was fabulous, by the way. It's just, it was so fascinating. Laura wanted to really pull out some issues that we don't always talk about in religion. It's not just like a Religion 101 series. It's really looking at different aspects of world religions. And Mm -hmm. it was fantastic. And we're finishing up a series right now on viral. So looking at the way that things go viral in our culture and the impact that has on us. So. And then can you give us any sneak peeks as to what's ahead? Oof, I cannot. Laura would kill me. <laughs> she has kept it so under wraps, but I will say we're going to get serious again and it is okay. going to be good stuff. Oh, I cannot wait. Yes, yes, yes. I, so stay tuned. I, I love both the serious and the non-serious. So it's great. So speaking of podcasts, do you listen to a lot of podcasts? I do. <laughs> I almost always have my earbuds in because I listen to quite a few of them. I love them. Okay, so tell me, because I've added a few in the last couple of weeks, 
Um, and so tell me what, let's do this. Tell me, can you tell me the last podcast you added to your list? Okay. Well, this, this one that I just finished is, is one that came out all in one shot and that is S town from, okay, wait, you have already finished it. I did finish it. Okay. So this show is airing in May, but we're recording this at the end of March. And when we're recording this, the show released yesterday. Yesterday. This is all I did, Jamie. I just, I knew it was coming. I put my earbuds in as soon as I got up and kept them in because it is not safe for little ears. No, it's not. Jamie Golden, uh, we chatted on Boxer and she told me that she listened to the whole thing in one day. In fact, my first message to her was like, hey, I'm traveling this weekend with my 13 year old. Can we listen to this together? And then later in the day, I had a chance to listen to the first episode. I was like, ah, never mind. Nope. I got my answer. It's a no. <laughs> you do not want to listen to this around little ears or for any grownups who are sensitive to language. Because Okay, so I've listened to the first one. Yes. And I just couldn't find in another hour. But I needed another hour so badly. But did you love it, like I, it, or hate it? Oh, my gosh, Jamie. I loved it. <gasps> I loved it. I just wrote a whole diatribe on my personal Facebook about it because it is genuinely okay so first of all if you've only listened to the first chapter i will say this it's the first chapter is not what the actual podcast is about it takes a turn in the second chapter in the second episode and really transforms into it was like listening to an audiobook it was like listening to a wow. novel okay. unfold as as characters begin to be more well developed and unexpected things happen, I'm trying not to spoil anyone. Mm-hmm, although, right. although by the time people are listening in May, probably it's out. Like, yes. I totally listened to it already. Yeah, yeah. So, but it was it was brilliant. It was so fantastic. I I forgot that I was listening to a podcast after a while. It really felt like listening to a book. Mm. Do you listen on speed and a half? I don't. I am a weird purist about listening <laughs> to things. I don't listen to audiobooks sped up. I don't listen to podcasts sped up. Maybe it's because I do production work. Mm. Like when I'm editing, either sort of awesome or especially smartest person in the room, I'm really super intentional about the spaces and the pauses that are left in and the way things are phrased and all of that stuff that goes into production. So I know that somewhere, somewhere, somebody worked really hard. <laughs> to that create is, the, <laughs> to that create is hilarious that that's your reasoning. I love that. My husband cannot stand it when I listen to Speed and a Half, but I think it's because he, he works in music. Mm. And I think it kind of throws him off, honestly. And he also has this very like creative space brain and my son can't handle it either. They're always like, you have to turn that like back to normal. I am the same way. I'm such a purist. I need it to unfold it in real time. But I know lots of people get to listen to a lot more things than I do. Because I was going to say yes. <laughs> because they go ahead and speed up that audio for themselves. Yes. No I, told, I told Aaron, I was like, I can listen to this show in 30 minutes and it's a 45 minute show, you know? And he's like, I don't care. I can't handle it. Okay. So S-Town, which I will be through with by, you know, the time this airs as well. But for people who don't know... I mean, I don't know how you're listening in May. You haven't figured this out yet, but it's actually a production of Serial and NPR. Am I right about that? This American Life, which I think- That's what I meant, yeah. Yes, I think This American Life, although it has its roots in NPR, I think they have kind of become their own company. You're right, yes. And so, yeah, This American Life and Serial, the- the creative teams behind those two shows came together. Uh, Julie Snyder is like the main producer um, besides Brian Reed, who, who created and kind of put the show together. Um, So Julie Snyder is from Serial. You might recognize her name and voice from Serial. And so, yeah, Ira Glass worked on it. Sarah Koenig, uh, Starley Kine was a story consultant, like all of the big names of podcasting really contributed to how the final product of S-Town came out. Isn't it crazy with podcasting? I mean, I look back and, 
actually, you know, when this show is airing, it's like a week before my three year anniversary. So next year will be three years. Hey, that's awesome. It's crazy, right? So, but I look back and I think, man, I remember when Serial hit Mm. and Mm. everyone started listening to that show and it did something for all of us in the podcast world is it opened up so many more spaces for shows. And since then, I mean, I wish I had a number of how many shows have been created and produced since then. And although let's not be foolish about this because uh, Tish was on my show a couple weeks ago and she's been podcasting for a long time. I mean, she was podcasting. She told back- me 2011. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Back in the days when I myself, as somebody who worked on the internet, I could not figure out how to listen to a podcast except to go to her actual website Web and place. listen through a browser. That was the yeah. only way I knew how to yep. listen to a podcast. So, yes. exactly. So, uh, you know, sometimes we talk about how new podcasting is, but it, and it is for a lot of people. But then we have to remember there's people like Tish who's like, this is not new, guys. I've been doing this a long time. Exactly. Um, but Serial did a lot for the podcast world, wouldn't you? you agree with that? Absolutely. It was really the first one that I actually went to my native Apple podcast app on my phone and figured out how to how to listen to that one. And then from there, even as a listener, this was before I started sort of awesome. So even as a listener, I was just like, what can I listen to next? Yes, yes. So yes, it definitely was like the sort of like the little mini revolution or renaissance in podcasting uh-huh. when that yes, show came out. Yes. Okay. So S-Town is probably the same for both of us, the most recent podcast that we downloaded. What are some other shows that you have been loving recently? Well, in terms of the girlfriend chat genre, which you and I are kind of in, I really, I love Tisha's show, The Simple Show. Mm-hmm. I also love Oshita Moore's show, Shalom in the City. I don't know if mm-hmm. you've gotten a chance to check it out. I feel like she does a great job of balancing um, really important topics with that kind of girlfriend chat yes. element. She's so super like, sweet. Yes. Yes. I love that. I love the podcast with Knox mm-hmm. and Jamie. That's one I've been listening to for a while. And a pop culture one I've been listening to even longer than that. Really, one of the first ones I listen to regularly is NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour. Yes. That's a perennial favorite for me, too. I also really love the show Reply All. Mm -hmm. Um, It is from Gimlet Media. And uh, it's, you know, it's ostensibly about like the Internet and how technology affects our lives. But the the real thing of Reply All is it's stories of people. And I just I'm a sucker for it. I love it. I love all of those things. Yeah. Yeah, Great shows. Um, I just recently um, listened to all of Miss- Missing Richard Simmons. Mm. Did you do that one? Yes, absolutely. Did you like, there's mixed reviews. Did you like it? Okay, so I understand I understand the ethical qualms that people mm-hmm. have about it. Is this too invasive? Is it exploiting mm-hmm. this man who clearly has said he doesn't want to be in the public? So like on the one hand, I totally get the ethical concerns. Again, from a production standpoint, the audio, oh my gosh, it's it's like perfection. Mm. I cannot think of, I mean, S-Town was fantastic, but before S-Town came out, I would say that was that Missing Richard Simmons was one of the best produced, best put together um, pieces of audio I had heard maybe ever. It's just so brilliantly produced. I love so. how you are seeing things from that angle now. Maybe not, maybe you always have, but do you think you're seeing it more now that you're actually behind the scenes with the show? More than, you're behind the scenes was sort of awesome also, sure. but I feel like this is a little bit different. Do you agree with that? Yeah. In fact, it reminds me of my husband, who was a a college football coach for 11 years. He cannot watch football because when he's watching football, he's breaking down film. Like as you know, like he just goes into that mindset of like, you know, trying to analyze everything that they're doing. I feel the same way. It's almost to the point where it's distracting for me. 
And that it's hard to listen and not be also evaluating, not necessarily critiquing. I'm, I'm also listening for like what, what a show is doing really well and how, you know, how the music is incorporated, all of the things about production. I definitely listen to all podcasts with that ear now. Oh, I love that because you're creating a good show. That's what it takes. Uh, you know? Thank you. Thank you. Um, I have recently downloaded um, actually two shows that I haven't even listened to yet. So I would love to hear if you listen to them. Um, Ann Vogel recommended them both to me, The Splendid Table and Spilled Milk. I have listened to Spilled Milk for years. I kind of have gotten out of the loop of that one as I have added way too many others to my podcast I know. I know. feed. So, but Spilled Milk is hilarious. They do a great job. The chemistry between the two hosts of that one. So food podcast um, is fantastic. Now I've heard of the Splendid Table. I've heard bits and pieces. I have never been a subscriber to that one, but I know it's also very, very well done. Okay. Well, good podcasts. So I love that when podcasters love podcasters, they're always recommending shows as well. So now people, you have your list to start with. Absolutely. Um, with podcasting. Okay. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. 
I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music. Just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. So, Megan, there's one thing that I learned about you early on is that you love personality. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, Personality systems? Yes. Yes. I was going to say diagnosis, but that didn't seem to go. That didn't seem to go well. Um, In fact, I always joke that one time I took an online personality test um, and I told it to you and I can never remember what I am to this day. And you emailed me earlier and told me I can never remember what I am, but I always say if I could just call Megan, she could tell me right now. Because that's right. That's right. In fact, I think one time you did text me and you were like, I think I did. Type again. So tell me where this love for this started and why do you have this uncanny ability to remember people's personality tests? Well, let me start with where it started. It started probably, it's been more than 10 years ago now with the Myers-Briggs system specifically. And I always tell people this, I don't know if anyone believes me a bit, truly understanding personality types saved my marriage. Mm. My husband and I are... Um, alike in some really important ways, but we're really different. And that's the story of lots of marriages, right? right. Yes. Uh, we're really different in some other ways. And so I really began to dig in to the Myers-Briggs system because it really helped me to understand my own self and why I make the choices I do and why I experience the world the way I do. And more importantly, help me to understand my husband because Uh, understanding my personality stuff and his personality stuff helped me to stop taking all of our various, you know, little disagreements or differences of opinion. I used to take them so, so personally. Mm. And once I began to understand the way he experiences the world, I was like, oh, that totally makes sense. I don't have to take that personally and get my feelings hurt. Mm. And I don't have to feel like hopeless, like we're never going to see eye to eye on this. Right. Because I was like, okay, of course he would totally see it that way because he happens to be an INTJ and I'm an ENFP and we just experience the world around us in so many different ways. But even though I was trying to understand our differences, once we really dug into it together, we found all these other ways that were actually really alike. So Mm, that you just hadn't been seeing. I hadn't been able to see that because I was so distracted by the big glaring differences between us. So as far as how I can remember this, I mean, (laughs) I don't know. It's my very, very weird quirk that once I know somebody's personality type, it's ingrained in my memory. So yes, I I can just spill off the personality types of lots and lots of people that I know. That is hilarious. Well, um, you said, well, I took a test and I told you what I was and I am an ESFJ. That's right. You remembered. <laughs> no, I read your email just now. I am an ESFJ, <laughs> but I'm actually going to put this on a sticky note and put it up in my office because I actually, believe it or not, have had several times people have said, well, what are you? And on the Myers-Briggs, I'm like, I can't remember. But if Megan was here, she would tell me. Um, so what does that mean about me? Okay. Well, so the first letter means E, which, you know, a lot of people know that first component of Myers-Briggs is split between extroverts or introverts. And so that means that you, since you're an ESFJ, you're one of the extroverted types. And believe it or not, even though pop culture kind of believes that means, oh, you like to be around people, you like parties and all of that type of thing, which obviously you do. (laughs) Yes. 
the truth is that for extroverts, it's really about how you get energy. So connecting with people and connecting with the outside world, that is what makes you an extrovert. Now for introverts, it is about energy as well, but it's about spending time alone and being able to just um, kind of unwind in either reading a book or taking a walk or just spending some time by yourself. That's what makes you feel re-energized and ready to take on the world. So, But you are an ESFJ, so you're an extrovert. The S part means that you are a sensing type. So in the next pair of letters, you would either be sensing or N, which is for the intuitive types. But the sensing types are very deeply connected to the concrete world around them. So their five senses are how they take in information. And those are things that are very important to them. So when I'm scrolling through my Instagram and I see a Jamie Ivy live event and it is decorated so gorgeously and every little detail is so beautiful and just so reflective of you. I'm just like, of course, because she is a sensing type mm. and those things that are in the concrete world are so important to sensing types. Okay. So the F part means that you're a feeling type. The next pair of letters is either feeling or thinking. And this has to do with how we make decisions. So thinking types are the types who like to make decisions based on the facts of the situation. Whatever the black and white facts are, that's how they're going to make their decisions. Feeling types like to make decisions based on their own internal code of values. It's not about whether or not somebody is an emotional person, although oftentimes feeling types are pretty emotional. But it's like if, you're gonna, if you have to make a decision, are you going to be objective about it? If so, you're probably a thinking type. Uh-huh you're going to be subjective about it, if you're going to make that decision based on what's important to you, then you're probably a feeling type. So, and then the last letter is J. So the last letter pair is J or P, judging types or perceiving types. Perceiving types like to live in the world of possibilities, but J types like to take action. So they're going to mm. take in information from a world, the world around them, and then they want to make a decision about it. That's the whole reason why they are taking in this information is so they can ultimately arrive at a decision and then take action on it. Those of us who are P-types struggle a little bit with the decision-making part <laughs> because once you decide on one thing, that means you don't get to have any of the other possibilities. So we struggle a little bit with that. But So that's the rundown of ESFJ. And ESFJs collectively are known as sort of the nurturing type. They are The dynamics of relationships are very important to them and sort of... Um, being part of community in a lot of times, even leading community is a really important value for an ESFJ. It seems like there are about a million possibilities of what you could be with all these letters. Right. There are, I mean, the, there's many, many possibilities in Myers-Briggs. There's 16 types. And okay. um, so, yeah, so most people can, you know, take a test maybe at 16personalities.com or somewhere like that. If they want to take a quick test, and get a test result and then kind of poke around a little bit and see if that rings true for them or not. I feel like you just taught a small seminar on <laughs> um, what the letters are. Um, you know, Anne Bogle has a book coming out. I know. Uh, yes, yes. I can't wait. It's called Reading People and I've gotten to read some of it. And it's a lot about, it made me think of it when you said that when you started diving into this, it really saved your marriage. Yes. The same thing that she's writing about is just like knowing people. Um, and the and the things that make them who they are, their personality can really help you um, understand them a little bit. Now, you're a mama to four kids. I'm a mom to four kids. As you're telling me these things, I'm thinking, I think that this would help me parenting my kids because kids are so different and they need such different things. Yes. 
Have you been able to see this with your kids, even though, you know, your oldest is 12, which still, gosh, so much developing happens between 12 and the rest of our lives, obviously. Um, But is this something that we can even look at our kids with? Definitely. And I think as they get older, it definitely gets easier. I don't even know that an actual test would be super accurate until they're more like late high school, maybe Mm -hmm. even going into college, because so much can change of course, in adolescence. And and then really when you leave your family of origin and, and begin to take on life on your own, a lot of these traits are going to become much more noticeable. But with my two oldest daughters, for example, again, they're 12 and nine. One is very, very, very strong on the intuitive side. So she's in her head a lot. She's mm-hmm. thinking about abstract things and is able to see the big picture very easily. My younger daughter is very strong on the sensing side. So she's very aesthetically concerned from the time that she could dress herself. She has been very insistent about what she wears because sensing types are very just, they're very aesthetically oriented. Um, And so you know, on the one hand, I could get annoyed and frustrated. She's the only sensing type so far. That, um, the twins may very well be, but she's definitely sensing with a bunch of intuitives. Uh-huh. So it'd be really easy to get annoyed with her because she spends so much time worrying about what she looks like in her hair and her clothes. And the rest of us intuitive types are like, who cares? Let's go. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so definitely just beginning to identify. Same with extrovert versus introvert. Mm. One thing that I've learned about my oldest who is an introvert, but who spins because she's in an orchestra program after school, she is gone from, you know, 745 in the morning till 615 at night. And so we have all learned, I mean, and she does great and she loves it, but after she eats dinner, she really needs to escape for some alone time. So rather than being insistent that she come out and come talk to us, do all of these things, we know that that's going to be a big recovery time for her mm. after she gets home and has had dinner and all of those things. It's funny how you learn things about people. And although Erin and I have never taken these tests or whatever, but when you're talking about just that um, introvert needing that kind of space, mm. um, I've learned I had to learn that about my husband realizing um, when he need he needed to be alone after he would lead worship on Sundays for four services, right? And then on <laughs> Mondays, I've still got kids at home and life still moves on. It's just a Monday, right? But he needed to get away and be alone. And I used yeah. to get so angry. Like, I don't understand that. Do you not want to be with us? Like, right. we didn't see you all day yesterday. But the truth was he needed that time so that Tuesday through Saturday, he could function well as a great husband and great dad. Yes. And once I learned that, I never... Like, not that I didn't care, but it didn't bother me that he needed to leave the house. Sure. I mean, the the energy component of extrovert versus introvert is so, so important. It's really important for those of us who are extroverts to understand that for an introvert spending time around people, particularly if it's very small talk oriented, um, lots of introverts just do not, they're so exhausted by small talk. It's as if they are at a cocktail party having to make small talk while they're on a treadmill. It's literally, (laughs) literally that physically exhausting to them to spend time around people. And then for our introverts in our lives to understand that we as extroverts are also physically impacted by spending time with people. So, you know, I might come home from a girl's night dinner with a couple of close friends and I can't go to sleep for hours afterwards. Mm. I may be tired, but I'm completely juiced up because again, there's that physical component. It's actual energy that gets revved up by spending time around people. It's so interesting. It's so, so interesting. Now, since I knew that we're going to be talking about personality stuff today, I took the Enneagram test. Oh, yay! 
Oh, I'm so which, glad you did this. Yes, which I did a couple of years ago on, I was on a trip with a bunch of people and someone had an app. And so I did it and I don't even remember what I was, okay. but I think the person I was with, she's kind of like you with Enneagram. She uh-huh. would remember, but I took it and I took a really simple test online and it said, it says this, it says your top three types. So are there okay. three? Okay. So the top, it's, do you want me to tell you the order they're in? Is it, would that make a yes. difference? Let's do okay. that. Yeah. It says type two, mm-hmm. the helper. Yes. And then the next one is type six, loyalist, and then type three, the achiever. Ah, those are all super interesting. I'm not at all surprised about type two because the majority of ESFJs also that correlates to type two in the Enneagram system, that helper component. Mm. Now, it's interesting because when I first did Enneagram testing, I did it with my friend Lee Kramer, who was doing Enneagram coaching at the time. So she did like a more extensive look at Enneagram stuff with me. And I tested completely evenly between type nine, the peacemaker, and type seven, which is the enthusiast type, the one that likes to, um, you know, have lots of fun and be around people. And we got to talking about it. And the more we sorted through it, she was like, oh, I think you actually are really a type nine. I think that your ENFP traits are kind of, you know, projecting onto this. You're not really a type seven. You're actually more of a type nine. So that may be what's happening with you okay. in the, um, with the score of a type two, the helper, or you may very well just be a helper person by nature, which would yeah. make sense as well. So I don't I'm, know. I was so interesting. Yeah. I'm a little surprised about the type six. I would not have guessed that for you because they are definitely the loyalists, but they um, can sometimes take a little bit more of a negative view on the world. And I know that's, that's sweeping with big, broad strokes. So apologies to Enneagram sixes who are listening, who are like, why yeah. does everyone always bring that up? <laughs> but they tend to be a little bit anxious sometimes about the way things are happening in life and in the world. So it's a little surprising for me, but I could definitely see you as a type three as well, an achiever type. That mm-hmm. would be, um, yeah, I could definitely see that in you. Okay. So that's what I came up with. That's who I am, which I'm like, I'm going to have Aaron take these tests today as well. And yes. then we can see how we kind of pair up um, and look at it. So super interesting. I've been wanting to talk with you about that on the show forever yeah. uh, because I know that it's a passion of yours. And I love the way that it's not just like knowing these numbers or the what you are, but it is a really a way to sense of who am I and who are the people around me so that we can thrive? And Exactly. And you know, to kind of throw back to what we were talking about podcasts, there's a fantastic podcast called The Road Back to You, which is by the authors of the book, The Road Back to You, that's all about Enneagram stuff. So if you are intrigued by the Enneagram system, or if you'd just like to know more about your type, you can look up and listen to The Road Back to You because they do a great job of bringing in people that are the various Enneagram types and having them just kind of talk about what life is like for that type. And you may be conflicted. Am I a two or am I a six? And you can Mm -hmm. listen to these episodes with people who are twos or who are sixes and see what resonates. Oh, that'd be interesting. And it would be good to listen as well when you find out who the people that you do life with the most, what they are, and then listen from their point of view as well. So, yes. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. All right, guys, before we get back into my conversation with Megan, I want to thank uh, today's sponsor for the show, and that is Dear Mushka. You guys, Mother's Day is next week, so I hope you've got something figured out for that. I've been sharing about Dear Mushka and their jewelry, and I think this would be a great place to grab something special and full of meaning for your own mom or a mom friend who may need to pick me up. 
There's so many beautiful and simple pieces of jewelry to choose from, including birthstones and those cute stamped initial necklaces. You know, the ones that have all your kids' names. So cute. But it's more than just jewelry because each piece comes with a verse card as a gift for her heart, too. Plus, all the jewelry comes packaged in the cutest box ready for gift giving. For the next week, all Mother's Day orders will include an additional verse card from Proverbs 31. Her children arise and call her blessed. So special. And you can use the code Jamie for 10% off all orders until June 1st. So if you're not listening to this in the time enough to get it for Mother's Day, you have until June 1st to get someone that special gift. Okay, Megan, let's switch gears here from personality tests to Lebanon. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> yep, let's just do it. Let's go there. So you, um, you had the privilege and honor of traveling to Lebanon last year. Is that correct? That's right. Yes, last September, September 2016 is when I went. And who did you travel with? So I went with World Vision which okay. is a probably very well known to mm-hmm. listeners of the happy hour um, a humanitarian organization with Christian roots they do humanitarian work all around the world and they had a, they put together a media trip people who work in various components of aspects of in media in the US and um, took us all over to Lebanon specifically to meet with refugees from Syria who are living in Lebanon it's so interesting. And I know that you had contacted me after I had Ann Voskamp on the show who yes. talked about um, Syrian refugees coming to Canada. And it's interesting. I thought about you. I knew we were chatting today. And I it was sometime this week. I've been listening to the podcast called The Daily. Mm. And it's put out by the New York Times. And it's literally like 15 minutes. And it comes out every day. And it's just kind of here's a th- here's what's happening in the world, you know. Yes. Um, and so I was listening to that recently. And they were talking about how it's been about a year since um, Canada um, opened up their doors and said, hey, we're going to take on this program of not, I'm not going to use the word adopting, but sponsoring, uh, sponsoring. Thank you. I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, better. Sponsoring a family um, for a year. And it was just kind of this, hey, here's what's been happening. And so it reminded me about you talking about your trip and going and meeting um, refugees from Syria that are, that are living in Lebanon and surrounding countries um, and right. so I would love to just hear about that experience when you traveled over there. What were you expecting versus what did you find? Um, and then how does that translate to your everyday world? Yes. Okay. Let's see where to start on this. I know it's so, big. It's, it's very big. Um, so the main reason that World Vision wanted to bring some people from American media over was because, you know, in the Western media, we do have lots of conversations about, well, about refugee issues worldwide. But since the Syrian crisis began in 2011, we've we've had a lot of discussion in Western media about how that impacts, for example, people in the United States or Canada mm-hmm. or even in Europe. Mm-hmm. But what World Vision wanted people to be able to understand is that the reality is almost 90% of the Syrians who have fled their country since their civil war began actually stay right there in the region. They mm-hmm. are resettling in countries like Lebanon and Jordan, um, Turkey, Egypt, and and things were so bad in Syria that, that some people were even fleeing Syria and resettling in the stable regions of Iraq, which is not a country that we would, you know, in the, in the West would think of as being particularly safe or stable, but it was better than staying in Syria with mm-hmm. the civil war going on around them. Mm. And so World Vision really wanted to just make people aware of the fact that, yes, we do have conversations and they're important and needed conversations about the refugee experience in Western countries. But again, the vast reality, the vast number of people who have fled Syria are really still right there in the region because they want 
to go home. And they believe Mm. so much that when the fighting is over, that they'll be able to return to Syria. Mm. So were you able to, um, I know that they brought you there to educate you and bring awareness to this. I'm assuming that you guys spent time with Syrian families. We did. We did. Um, At the beginning of the trip, we were really in the country of of Lebanon and really experiencing and talking with people in different contexts there, people in churches, um, people who were just kind of giving casual interviews about how the influx of Syrian refugees into Lebanon has affected that country. But then in the middle of the week, we went out to the Zala Valley in Lebanon, which is an ancient part of the world. And That is, and it's also just to give people kind of a visual, you know, when we think of Lebanon, we think, okay, well, it's sort of in that Middle Eastern region, it must be very, you know, arid desert land, but Lebanon's right on the Mediterranean. So Mm -hmm. it's much more of a, like almost, I had people that I traveled with that kept saying, this reminds me so much of Italy. Mm. So climate wise, it's, it's much more like that. So the Zala Valley is, is kind of like the Napa Valley of Lebanon. There's lots of vineyards and it's a very wine focused part of the country, but because there's this huge expanse of agricultural space, many, many, many Syrians who have crossed over the border into Lebanon have settled into these informal tented settlements in the Zala Valley. And those are the families that we really got to meet with. We got to go into their homes, which their homes that they had been living in then for four or five years were tents over mm-hmm. um, concrete slabs, two room tents that these families would live in. The family that we visited with had nine children mm. and the mom and the dad living in this two room tent. And there are just like these little clusters of these tented settlements all throughout the Zala Valley. So we got to sit down and talk with moms and dads. We talked about their experience. We tried to be very sensitive to the fact that we weren't there to stir up a bunch of memories of trauma mm-hmm. for them. The, the thing that I have learned over and over about the people who have fled Syria, every single one of them has a story that would shatter your heart. And this is mm. millions of people mm. who have experienced devastating loss, who have seen terrible things, who have been so terrified for their lives and the lives of their children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we wanted to be sensitive to that. So we really tried to focus on the reality of life there in the settlement. And um, we got to we got to do that. We got to see how World Vision goes in and partners with agencies that are all under the UN umbrella, uh, the High Council for Refugees through the UN and, and providing relief mm-hmm. for the Syrian refugees in these in these various countries and just listen to their stories. And we got to go in. World Vision provides some early childhood schools for um, the youngest children so that they can have a basis, a background of literacy in hopes that they will start regular school again. And mm. um, for many Syrian families, especially in the Zala Valley in Lebanon, their children who are 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, are going out into the fields and working each day Mm. so that they can earn wages and support their families as they are living in these settlements. There's, it's very tricky for the Syrian adults to find work, Mm. but their children can go out and work in the fields and bring in wages. So the vast majority of them are unschooled, but what world vision does is creates these child, um, 
safe centers, basically, where they can go in and do things that are like art therapy and play therapy and help them to process um, the reality of both leaving Syria and their new normal of living in these tented settlements in Lebanon. Oh, so when you met these families that you spoke with, most of them, from what I hear that you're saying, like their goal is not to get further away from their country, but it hopes to go back home. Right. I think that, again, in our media, we sometimes can get the idea that there are millions of people that are just knocking on the door of the United States or mm -hmm. Canada or these European countries, and they're just they're, they were looking for any reason to get into our country. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's lots of different perceptions about it. But the the true reality is these are people who loved living in Syria. It was their homeland. They miss mm -hmm. it terribly. So for a variety of reasons, they have not gone far from Syria. They truly do believe that at any time they'll be able to pack up and go back and begin rebuilding life in Syria. Mm -hmm. Well, that's so interesting. I've been following not for that long, so I, I don't know much about it, but just on Instagram, preemptive love. Yes. Are you familiar with them? Yes. Do you know much about, okay, so you could probably fill us, myself and the listeners in. I have not been following them for that long, but what I see is that it sounds like a lot of what you're speaking about of with what World Vision does is they're kind of having some of the same um, purpose and plans for the people who have had to leave their country because of war. Is that, am I correct about that? That's right. What preemptive love, because they're a smaller organization than World Vision. World Vision has been around for decades and they have offices and resources in like so many countries around the globe. Preemptive love under Jeremy Courtney's leadership has really focused in on the area of like Iraq and Syria mm -hmm. and those places where there's really intense conflict right now. And what they are able to do is number one, provide relief for people as they're fleeing. And that's a mm -hmm. huge part of what preemptive love does. What they're also able to do is to create development. And so they're helping people to find dignity through being able to earn that money themselves so that their children do not have to go and work in the fields. They are helping them create business opportunities, little micro businesses, so that they can um, have the dignity of doing work. That was another thing that we heard over and over again, is how experiencing a refugee situation strips people of their dignity. Because, mm. you know, the people that we met in Syria, they lived in regular houses and apartments just like us. I mean, they had their kids had bicycles that they rode up and down the street. I mean, they had a very, you know, what we would consider to be, quote unquote, normal life. Mm -hmm. And then all of a the sudden, they all of that is taken away. They've been through, you know, terrible trauma. And then they're completely at the, you know, at the mercy of relief groups or wherever they land. There may not even be relief groups there. And so it really takes away the dignity of people. They start to lose a sense of who they were before they began experiencing this refugee situation. So again, what preemptive love does, and there are other, there are other organizations doing this. It's obviously for a lots of logistical reasons, the development part is very challenging, but they do a mm -hmm. fantastic job of helping provide resources, materials, encouragement, and just the logistics for people um, who are ready to begin moving forward in their refugee experience. Mm. Would that be people who are kind of saying, I need to move forward and I may be here for longer than I think I might be here? Yes, absolutely. Okay. And, and okay. you know, preemptive love actually does a lot of work in Iraq and there are um, yeah. 
in Iraq, there's many, many people who are experiencing not a refugee situation because they haven't left their country, but they are a displaced person mm -hmm. within their own country. So they've had to leave the region of Iraq that they used to live in and, and go to a safer place. And so I know Preemptive Love does a lot of work in those areas because, again, it's a little bit easier to do development when you're working within people still in their same country. In their home country, yeah. Yes. I'm looking at their webpage and they have most of their offices are in Iraq. Yes, Yes. yes, with a few other, um, and three others in different countries. Um, so how did that, you went last year and this, it seems like is very eye-opening for you. How did that translate when you came home, when mm. you hear the media um, portray the refugee crisis that we're looking at here? How does that change your shift? It definitely, definitely shifted. I, of course, before I went to Lebanon, I was like many, many people who would just be heartbroken over the images that I would see coming out of Syria and these places where the conflict is taking such a devastating toll on human life. Um, going over there helped me to personalize it so much mm -hmm. and I think helped me to become a stronger advocate for refugee issues because I think there's something that's so distancing about that label of refugee. Like we, we think, oh, well, they're a refugee. I, that would never happen to me. It's like hard. It's hard for those of us who live in really stable situations to even imagine mm -hmm. that people um, are just like us. They're moms and dads and mm -hmm. brothers and sisters. And, um, and so that once you can really like have a very human view of the refugee experience, I think it makes it a lot easier to really advocate for it. So when I came back from Lebanon, I immediately put together a three-part series um, called A Refuge for Refugees for my sort of awesome audience. But then earlier this year in 2017, when we began to have a lot more heated conversations about the refugee experience, particularly as it pertains to the United States, when President Trump's first executive order came mm -hmm. out and there was, um, you know, there was initially what we thought going to be no more Syrians allowed mm -hmm. to come into the country. That really uh, sort of ignited my interest in talking about it publicly again. And we were able to, Kelly Gordon and I, for Sort of Awesome, sat down and put together an hour-long episode. It was called Real Talk About Refugees, just helping people to understand um, in a, a hopefully clear way a lot of the complicated issues that come along with talking about refugees, particularly as it pertains to them coming into the United States. And so I feel like it's just, it's both given me a much more informed view and a much more passionate view of these discussions. And really one of the most beneficial parts of getting to travel with World Vision was being able to come back and tell people like, you know what, no matter how you feel about U.S. policy and no matter how you feel about the current vetting system for refugees within the United States, the great news is it doesn't matter what U.S. policy is. You really can still be invested in what's happening for refugee relief and development through World Vision or any mm -hmm. of a variety of organizations that are doing on the ground work where refugee, where the majority of Syrian refugees are, which is right there in the region. Mm -hmm. And so that's been really liberating to tell people because I think, again, sometimes as Americans, we can start to think like, well, I can only do whatever the government says I can do right. <laughs> here, you know, so if the government says we can't have refugees, I can't really participate in refugee care. But you absolutely can because there's absolutely fantastic international organizations who are on the front lines, who are providing relief for the suffering of so many people. Well, and it's so good to hear from you talk about it on the show, because I think a lot of times we can also fall victim to 
um, it, it's so far removed from us. Um, right. It, it can be. It can be so far removed from us in a day to day um, types of situation. I mean, if you, you know, if you, if you're consumed with your children and your job and you don't ever turn the news on, this literally can be something mm-hmm. that seems just so distant. Yes. Um, and then we get to hear from someone like you who's personally seen it and saying, Hey, it's not distant. It's real life. This is really happening. And you still can be a part of the solution, a part of the help. And so yes. Megan, you send me the links and the resources and I'll put them up for people who, if they want to Thank um, you. Yeah, I'll be happy we'll to do that. The link to all of those shows that you mentioned that you did about it, because I know it's going to spark interest in people of just wanting to hear more. So I'm thankful for your voice um, in this situation, and I'm thankful for your trip to Lebanon and and how yeah. you can speak into this for all of us for sure. Well, thank you for that. Thank you, and thanks for giving me the opportunity. It's definitely a a soapbox I'm happy to climb up on anytime to talk about I, because I feel so deeply about it. I love when people have soapboxes that are like good soapboxes that aren't, you know, <laughs> right. you're not, you're not angry at like the, the, the line to pick the pickup line to get your kids, how people are going the wrong way. <laughs> Although that is a soapbox that we can get on sometimes, yes. but this is a fun one. I mean, this is not a fun one. It's a great one. So thank yeah. you so much, Megan. Yeah. Um, okay. Megan, what are, th- what are you loving these days? What are three things you're loving? Oh my goodness. Let's see. Well, I have to say, sometimes I have to dig a little bit deeper on questions like this because on sort of awesome, we you talk do about, this. <laughs> yes, we do our awesome of the week every week. So, well, you can tell me some of your awesome of the weeks that you've had. So I read the whole list this morning and I was like, man, this is great stuff. Yes. Yes. Well, I have to tell you that I am listening to an audiobook, which I normally don't do. I, again, when I have my earbuds in, I'm almost always listening to podcasts, but I'm listening to an audiobook called Afterworlds and it's by. Scott, I can't remember his last name right (laughs) off the top of my head. Let me see if I can find it. But the great thing about this particular book on audio is there's actually two stories. So it's, it follows um, an 18 year old girl who has written a novel and gotten an agent and she, and the, the novel was bought by a big publishing house. And so she decides to move to New York. And so you follow her, but then as the, as the book unfolds, it's also telling it's actually also her novel that you get to experience. Oh, wow. Um, okay. It's After Rules by Scott Westerfield. Okay. And um, it's been really cool. And so there's two different narrators. There's the narrator of this young author, and then there's a narrator for her story. And it goes back and forth, chapter to chapter. And it is fascinating. I'm so glad that I picked it up. I spent almost all of my Audible credits on books for my nine-year-old who like uh-huh. listened to all of Harry Potter. And now she's listening to the Percy Jackson series. So I like hardly ever get to pick out an audiobook for myself. For you, I'm yeah. Really glad that I picked this one up. So Is the audiobook read by two different voices? Yes, it is. Yes. Okay, so love that. Love yeah, it. Two different narrators there. Hmm, I'm trying to think of something that's not podcast related since we already talked about podcasts so much. Um, I have to say and this is not going to be news to anybody because this is something that's been around for a long time, but I'm really loving LaCroix which I know is like a love it or hate it thing. But I started, our family started the Whole30 a couple of weeks ago. And so part of that was I had to kick my like lifelong Diet Coke habit. Oh, yes. Good for you, Megan. Ugh. It's so bad for you. It's so bad, but I love it so <laughs> I know. Much. I love it too. I know. I know. <laughs> I treat myself like if I'm on a road trip is when I feel like I can have it. But yes. Yeah. So anyway, I wanted to have something 
cold and bubbly because mm-hmm. if I can't have my beloved Diet Coke, <laughs> then I would sure love to have something that is just a little bit cold and bubbly. And so, um, yeah, I, I know that some people absolutely cannot stand it, but for me, it's been a great stand in. It will never be Diet Coke. Are you going to go back to Diet Coke? Oh, I don't know. I, I see once I've given it up for a few weeks, because listen, I've tried to quit it many times, <laughs> right. but when I've been off it for you for a few weeks and I'm like, I, I like not drinking diet Coke. I feel great. Uh-huh. But then it's like a slippery slope. Like I'll it have is so slippery. Yep. And then before I know it, I'm like getting the big packs from Sam's again. And I'm so not do you, you drink it out of a can. Yes. Okay. See, I only like diet Coke from a fountain at, at the convenience store. So it keeps Ooh. me from drinking a lot of it. That's good. Maybe I should just make that rule for myself. I can only it's- have diet Coke from the fountain. I know. And I just don't go into a convenience store that often. And so normally just when I'm traveling and so I don't drink them that often, but I don't like it out of a can. So that saves me. That is, that's good. Maybe that'll be my new rule. There you go. The last, the last thing that I'm loving right now is just the return of sandal season. Ah. I hate wearing socks, (laughs) which is one of the big reasons why winter is not my favorite. Now I live a little bit further North than you, Jamie, but when we lived in San Marcos, which is just a little Uh South of you, I was like, this is great. I never have to wear socks again. You loved it. (laughs) I loved it. But up here, there's, there's definitely long stretches where we have to dig out the socks and the boots for winter. But now here we are in the springtime and I've got my toenails painted again and the sandals are out and it's skirts and dresses and all of the fun things kind of shedding the winter layers. So I am definitely, definitely loving that. I love sandals as well, but I I think I've said this before on here. I don't like to be barefoot. Hmm. And so like in my house right now, I don't like to wear shoes because I'm inside, but I put socks on every morning when I get out of bed. Interesting. (laughs) I could never, I could never. Weird fact about me. Well, weird about me too. It's some kind of weird textural thing, like sensory Uh thing. I just, I really don't like socks. That is hilarious. And I have socks on every day. So funny. I know. I know. Um, So you tell me what you're listening to. Does that count as what you're reading? Um, or do you have your hands on an actual book? Um, well, I was just a couple of weeks ago, I was on Ann Bogle's show. What should I read next? Yes. So I do have my hands on some actual books. Um, one I, that I can think of off the top of my head is called the almost sisters by Jocelyn Jackson. And it is, it's kind of like, um, a thoughtful, chiclet read, which I have not picked up any just like straight up women's literature in a long time like mm-hmm. years and years. Um, I've gotten a really top heavy with my nonfiction picks. And so she fixed me up with some good fiction reads. And then she actually sent me her preview copy of The Almost Sisters. So I have been reading that and it has been such a breath of fresh air. I've been loving it. Oh, that's awesome. I just recently was a guest on her show as well. And then yeah. I went that day when we got done and ordered all the books she told me to read. She is a magician with those things. I know. I haven't. It was just like last week and I haven't got to start one yet, but I can't wait because they're all um, fiction and story driven and just what I love. So yeah, yeah. She's a good one. Love it so much. Love Mm -hmm. it so much. If you guys are listening, like reading, you should listen to What Should I Read Next, um, which is the podcast we're talking about. Definitely. Um, Megan, it has been so fun to have you on my show. Thank you. It has been a, a blast to be here. Definitely. We talked about two of your favorite things, personality test mm-hmm. and it's weird that it's a favorite thing, but it's like you said, something that you're passionate about. So we'll say it that way. Yes. Um, the crisis of the Syrian refugees. And thanks for just bringing a different um, worldview than maybe some people may have known or heard or been accustomed to. So I really, really appreciate your voice on that. 
Well, thanks again for having me. You guys, I told you you would love Megan. Now you have a lot of podcasts to go listen to. You've learned more about the refugee crisis. You can go out and do your research on how you can serve in your city where you are. And you might know what your personality type is as well. Guys, thanks to Halo Top Creamery for sponsoring today's episode. They make low-calorie ice cream that actually tastes good. I promise I've tasted it. Plus, it's made with all-natural, premium ingredients, so each pint is only around 300 calories, which means you can eat the whole pint completely guilt-free. It's basically like your fourth meal of the day. Head to halotop.com to use their store locator and find a pint near you. And while you're at it, follow them on social media, at Halo Top Creamery. Today's show was edited by Logan Garza, and the music is from Jason Poe. Next week, guys, is our three-year anniversary. So myself and my friends are going to be on the show. This past week, I hosted a three-year anniversary party at one of our favorite restaurants in town, Chacon, and we did a few interviews there. So I can't wait for you to meet my friends, my real-life friends that I do life with every day. Last Friday, my friend Winter Pitch joined me on the Happy Half Hour where we talked about snakes, because if you follow me on Instagram, you saw what happened at my house last Wednesday. Uh, We also talked about the book that her and her 12-year-old daughter wrote together and how her and her husband vacation together, even though they have two different ideas about vacation. Guys, enjoy your week. Share the show with a girlfriend and have a happy hour with a friend. I will see you guys next week for our three-year anniversary.